0: How you doing? Good. Don't lie to me. <laughs> I know people in there lying to me. So uh, here we are the last weekend of 2015. We've done all the Christmas playlists. Before I get into that, does anybody believe in superhumans, superhuman powers like I do? Yeah. Am I the only one? <laughs> okay. Someone's wearing, a, you know, everyone, I saw a Green Lantern t-shirt, so I know some people believe in that stuff. But it's funny, this game reminds me of the video on YouTube of the Asian guy that scores like 10,000 points on a little, that basketball shooting game. Did you see that? You got to look it up. It's amazing. He's just like, and he's playing against these kids, and they're shooting regular, and he's just like every shot goes in. It's like it's a magnet on him. You got to check it out. Anyway, it's he's a superhuman. <laughs> That's not a joke. <laughs> I hate you. That's real. All right. So anyway, we've been on the Christmas playlist, and and you know we, um, I, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, um, and we were completely let down this Christmas. I mean sweating bullets on Christmas Day. It's horrible, it's, it's a sign of the end times, I know it. Um, joy to the world, you know, and, and we want to believe that and then we look around and see all the human suffering on TV and, and all the things that are happening all around our nation and the world. Um, I'll be home for Christmas, um, it's supposed to be a good thing but in many lives and in many places when you go home it's horrible, you know, it's a tough place to be and it brings back a lot of bad memories and a lot of pain. And so we also learned over these last couple of weeks that there's a solution to that, and it's Jesus. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Like, how does that really make sense? How does it become relevant? But I think there's one more song on the playlist that we should probably listen to. Once again, last weekend in 2015, when you reflect back over this year, how does it strike you? You know, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a heck of a year in a lot of ways, right, historically and emotionally, spiritually, um, and, and a lot of different things. I would say that in this crowd, there's certainly people that represent all emotional spectrums when looking back over the last year. Each one of us has a story or multiple stories, I'm sure, I'm sure there's people here that celebrated last year and people that mourned last year. I mean, we've got people that um, celebrated marriages, births, promotions, parties. And we've got folks here that endured divorces, deaths, loss of job, and bitter loneliness, right? And so we've got it all represented here. And so it's interesting to me to that we, we talk about the new year and we, we hear this song and it's, it's a song that I tolerate every year. You know, it's one of those songs, it's kind of like, uh, you know, because typically you hear it like, one of the guys like, you know, nine sheets to the wind, he's trying to play it and, you know, and everybody's stumbling around. That's the imagery that I get when I hear the song, honestly. And so, um, but it's been quite a year and there's been a, a lot of things that happened. But interestingly, this year, 2015, each one of us, was able to experience and celebrate one of the high points in human history. An amazing occurrence, if you will, and I know you're thinking the blood moons maybe, and I'm not gonna give it away, but some amazing, amazing things that happened this year that, that is gonna be incredible. Anybody wanna take a stab at it? I mean, everyone's scared, right? Could be anything. You're probably thinking, racking your brain, like was it a, an attack or was it a good thing or what was it? Star Wars, what's wrong with you? I mean, we got, we got to experience one of the high points in human history. In fact, if the Lord tarries his coming, and he doesn't show up soon, we'll be able to tell our children, our grandchildren. It'll go down in legend. Star Wars. All right, so maybe Star Wars wasn't enough to fix last year for you. You know, maybe, maybe you derailed so badly that even Star Wars... Oh, couldn't get you back on track. (laughs) That's a bad life, folks. That's a bad one, man. But the, the truth is, we stumble around through this life trying to find these high points, don't we? We look forward to things. I mean, literally for a year, I knew people, including myself, that looked forward to Star Wars. And we search for these high points to try to navigate it. And here we are again, facing a brand new year, wondering... If it's going to be the same old thing or something new. And, and we search and we search and we search. And I'll, so I'll tell you the story. and I won't ruin the ending for you. But um, th- what happens is Baby New Year has gone missing. Uh, he's run away, in fact. And so they're trying to find Baby New Year. The, the Happy New Year can't come unless the Baby New Year is present. So uh, the, the hero of civilization, Rudolph, uh, who is apparently cold in the snow, even though he lives in the North Pole, um, It goes in search of this happy new year. And so he visits Father Time, and he goes on this amazing journey, and it's extraordinarily difficult. As you can see, he crossed a blizzard, then he had to cross a desert, and then he jumps around from place to place trying to find happy new year. All these towns that he goes and visits were different years in the sequence leading up to this year. And so Rudolph endeavors to find Happy New Year by traveling and persevering and just doing all that he can, enlisting help when he can, whatever he has to do to find Happy New Year. Does that seem familiar to you in any way? Is, is that the way you've lived your life? Going from one place to the next, trying to get help, trying to find a Happy New Year. It's all too familiar. Now he visited like 1757 and 1812 and all these different places, but the places that you and I tend to visit are, you know, we make a stop in Giltville. We, uh, we, we you know, languish in shame town for a while. We have a pit stop and I screwed up my life, <laughs> you know, We stop for drinks and gas and I can't believe I did this to my Selfington. You know, and and so we visit all these places hoping and endeavoring to find happiness when in fact it keeps dragging us further and further away from it. And you know, it gets so tough and so tiring that you end up staying in these places. You become the mayor of Shametown, elected official. That's very important. But you're stuck and you begin to wonder, is it even possible To recover from this. Is there such a thing as a happy new year? Or is it the same old thing over and over and over again? Well, I I don't want to say this wrong, even though I I normally do. So let me preface what I'm going to say. I recognize that there are some things that are out of our control. There are things that happen to us that, uh, that are done from other people's free choices that just simply hurt. They just hurt, they just bring pain, okay? So I recognize that. There are times when our suffering is directly related to somebody else's choices. But for the most part, when we're in Shametown and Guiltville and, and I can't believe this, I did this to myself, intent, all these places, we can typically look back behind us and see our footprints leading us there. And there is one thing that is typically the same everywhere we go when we're dealing with this disastrous and difficult life, you know what that thing is? Us. We carry our sorry butts from place to place to place, expecting a different result and outcome just because we've changed our scenery. But it's still us. Now, interestingly, the world has done everything it can can to explain why that happens and how to get out of it. In fact, they've created different systems of thought to help us get out of these things. But it's still just us. You know, I find New Year's interesting, don't you? Have you ever really thought about it? I mean, sorry. If you really think about how New Year's is typically celebrated, it gives you pause. Really. So... What most people—not most people—a lot of people do—is they'll go and, and on the 31st, they'll get themselves dressed up. They even buy new clothes. They buy these ridiculous glasses that I don't know how the year always fits in there somehow. You know, I mean, I get the zero zero, but I mean, fifteen—that's hard to see through the one. You know, but they find a way to, to adorn themselves with all this nonsense,
1: and they go out and they get hammered to ring in the new year. So what does that tell you about the year?
0: I mean, in reality, we dress ourselves in our very best. We go out and celebrate with people just to get annihilated so we don't remember. Are we trying to escape the past or forget that the future's coming? But but think about it. You know that to be true. We see it on TV. These people are just obliterated. And I have to wonder, what are you escaping? Why? Why do that to yourself? It must be that we want to get away or stop what's coming. And so we do all that we can to either forget it or try to change it. But there's still that one common denominator,
1: us, right? It's us over and over again. Well, folks, here's what
0: happens. When we do this, it's very much like stapling fruit to a tree. When we try to make these New Year's resolutions, we make these promises, we've all done it. Okay, we've made promises to ourselves and then the experts say, well, if you tell yourself only, then you know, you'll, you'll never do it. So you gotta enlist somebody else. And so we get a close friend and we tell them, here's what I'm gonna do this year. This is what I'm gonna to do to change. You're lying. You lie to yourself, why wouldn't you lie to them? You know what I mean? And so we don't do it. We, we give it our best for a while, and then it just gets to a point where like, this is so hard. I can't do this anymore, right? And it it's so difficult. And so we just say, maybe next year. And we keep pushing it off and pushing it off. So we make these fake promises to ourselves. We lie to everybody around us. We make excuses so that we could forgo the fact that we can't keep our own word. And we call it a resolution and move on from year to year to year. How disastrous is that? How defeating is that? I think it stinks, don't you? All right, so the world has created some certain philosophies. We call them religions, and I'm not here to do a study on comparative religion. If you want to do that, buy me a cup of coffee during the week, man. We'll do it. But the reality of it is I want to give you some thought processes that that the world has created. We are doing all that we can to affect outside change, to make our lives better. So sometimes that's clothing. Sometimes it's new stuff. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's new relationships, new people, new circumstances. We do all that we can to affect change outside in to make it better and hope that it sticks, right? It's like when you test pasta, you throw it against the wall. If it sticks, it's ready, right? That's what I've been told or I've been lied to. I got some Italian friends. I know it's right. It's hard to get a lasagna noodle to stick to the wall. You ever try that? Man, bang, you know what I mean? So, but that's the way we typically approach this life. We wanna make outside changes and hope that they stick and they, they dig in deep enough that it makes a difference in our lives. Well, one religious thought process would tell you, if you really want change, you must divest yourself of all materialism. Get rid of it all. Get rid of your stuff. Get rid of your emotions, get rid of your your putrid thoughts, purify yourself, beat yourself into submission. Continue to to live an existence that is so minimal that nothing can affect you adversely. And so you give everything away, you push it all away, you beat yourself and your mind into submission and in hopes that by doing that, somehow you will find the peace that you so long for. But what inevitably happens is we push everything away, we get rid of everything, we find some other people that are similar in thought to that, but then there's the rub. As soon as you get two people together, regardless of their great intentions and desires to be completely peaceful and pure, there will be dissent. And so to truly make this happen, we have to push them away also and be completely alone
1: which defies our very human nature because we seek out company, whether it be human or animal.
0: We seek out companionship. In our core being, we desire companionship. So it cannot be that resisting that and pushing it all away is the answer. It cannot be. Next, we have people that would tell you, well, here's what you need to do. Follow and keep a very strict set of codes and guidelines. If you keep these and you do them A through Z every day and do it in such a way, maybe you will please God and you will earn his favor and then he will bestow upon you the peace that you so long for. So we scratch and we claw and we regiment ourselves in every possible way in hopes that God would look upon that and say, oh, it's just enough.
1: Let me give you peace and rest. How fruitless and hopeless is that lifestyle? And defeating,
0: so defeating. Because in our heart of hearts, when we're laying in our beds at night, regardless of who we're laying with, and we stare up at that ceiling with the lights off and our imagination is the projector on the ceiling, you begin to see the bitterness and the deep hurts inside of you that are still there, even after keeping
1: this law, and how you fall short. So there's another thought process, which is to say, I deny God completely.
0: I won't even participate. I refuse. I
1: refuse to believe it. Why? Simply accountability. Ladies and gentlemen, I I hope this this
0: doesn't come across too simply sounding, but the, the reality of this is, if you were to remove accountability from the equation of God, I mean, God, we're we're out here someplace, and no matter what you did, you couldn't offend him, he wouldn't judge you, there'd be no consequences for anything that you did, nothing matters at all. Why would it matter if God existed or not? Why would there be a problem? Nobody would, would deny God's existence because it doesn't matter. It's only a problem when we're accountable to a God. That's a problem because then we're now responsible for our choices. That's a problem, because we know where our choices come from. You understand? But all of these philosophies have one thing in common. It's us working. It's us doing. It's our accomplishments. Either rejecting, keeping, denying, whatever. It all comes back to how hard I worked and I did it. But it does not erase or allow us to escape the fundamental truth that you and I are broken from the inside out. We're broken. And so I said stapling fruit. I mean, we could go out and get one of these beautiful trees outside here, and we could take grapes and apples and oranges and figs and persimmons and whatever and staple them to the tree, and they would look excellent for a while. But soon they'd begin to rot and eventually fall because they have no root. They're not being fed, it's just outside. For a tree to bear good fruit, in the, the, the rhyming of my little friend uh, TikTok, whatever his name is, you got to have a good root. If you want fruit, you got to have a root. So I would present to you today, I believe that the Bible gives us the clearest, most well-articulated, and, and most uh, rationally Pure explanation for how to affect positive change in your life, how to have a happy new year, and how to actually escape this cycle of failure. I believe it with all my heart. So we're gonna go over a little bit. I everybody ready? We're gonna do a little work. You wanna stretch out a little bit? Shrug the shoulders? Come on. Big circles forward. Come on. All right, big circles back. There we go. A little ballistic stretching now? Come on. What's wrong with you people? Come on. Am I doing this for I mean, I'm on video, I get it, but still. That might be a workout video. We might actually got a little something here. (laughs) Huh, yeah, we make a little money on the side. That's good. You still sore? Nice. So here's the, yeah, all that unwrapping, that pulling motion, very foreign to us. So here's the problem. Back to the original problem. You and me, we're bad at doing stuff. We stink. Our years stink over and over again because we're involved in it, frankly. All right, here's three reasons why last year probably stunk, next year's probably gonna stink, and you can got a whole catalog of bad ones that you could probably lay out for everybody to see. What a great fun picture book that would be to see. Number one, toxic choices. Let's face it, we make bad choices. You can look back over your life and say, man, how did I get here? How did this happen? Why am I hurting so badly? I would lay at your feet. There's probably a toxic choice involved someplace. You made a bad choice. Instead of eating one slice of pizza, you ate the whole darn thing. Man, that's a good choice at the time though, isn't it? (laughs) I tell you what. And then later happens, (laughs) you know? It's bad. It's just a bad choice. And so we have these repercussions and we have all the stuff that happens because of our choices, And we can't seem to think of that, we're in the midst of making it, but we hate what happens afterwards. The fallout. It stinks. Toxic choices. Maybe you find yourself in a toxic environment. You know, the truth is, you look around and you say, how the heck did I get here? This is killing me. This place is is destroying me. It's eating me up from the inside out. It's killing me. I hate this place. How did I get here? It might be a job. It might be a, a, a home. It might be all kinds of things. You're in a toxic environment. And it's literally leeching the life out of you. It's pulling it out of you. You're stuck. You can't breathe and you can't get out. It's like being in quicksand. And there's, the more you struggle, the worse it gets. Toxic choices, toxic environment, Toxic relationships. You know, folks, frankly, there are oftentimes people in our life that are agents of chaos. They are card-carrying, radio-wristed agents of chaos who, at the end of every day, check in with the boss and say, yes, I have him. Yes, I have laid a snare at his feet. When he gets out of bed tomorrow morning, he will stumble. I will destroy him and his entire family. Yes, boss, I have it under control. Oh, I've ruined everything. Oh, that's right, Uncle Bill did show up to Christmas. I made sure that he had gas money to get there. Yes, he did destroy their fun time. All joy has been removed. Agents of chaos, they're all around us. We're surrounded by toxic relationships and toxic environments, making toxic choices. What do you get? The toxic Avenger, that's right, maybe. Okay, that'd be cool. What you get's a big mess, and it's spelled Y-O-U-M-E you me, you <laughs> slash me. It's us, man, we're goofed up. So here's the deal, the Bible provides us with very clear and succinct solutions for this. I recognize that typically when, when people pick up the Bible, they look at me and they're like, well, you really know the Bible, you know your stuff. I mean, it's. I'd like to think that like Lawnmower Man, I underwent some you know specific mind training and I just woke up one day with this incredible knowledge no, I just read it. Just like, you know, sports scores and like where, I don't know, what, what, whoever is a good football player. I don't even care. Aaron Rodgers the greatest football player of all time, obviously. Where he went to college, high school, middle school, elementary. I mean, I'm just saying, that's a statistical fact. So, you know what I mean? You know everything. Why? Because you read it. You didn't wake up knowing where the great Aaron Rodgers, you know, did his middle school time. You read it. You studied it because you care. So, let's ask a quick question here. Any theologians in the audience, let's just clear the air right now. Any theologians? Chris? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Any theologians? No? Okay. Theology is the study of God. Any theologians in the audience? Thank you. I thank you. Well, you guys are so high and mighty back there raising your hands. Boy, I tell you what. How's the ivory tower working out for you? <laughs> You can't be a theologian without a beard. I'll tell you that right now. So, that precludes some of you, maybe. All right, so theology is defined as words about God. Words about God. Any theologians in the audience? Absolutely, all of you. If you've contemplated God, thought about it at all, read about him at all, talked about him in any way, shared words about God, you're a theologian. How amazing. Now, when we talk about God, we categorize these words together that are similar in nature. We call that doctrine. So we've got theology, which is just words about God. And then we put these words in categories. We call them doctrines. Guess what? You're halfway to a master's degree. That's <laughs> so good. See how easy it is? And Free. So now we know that you're theologians and doctrinarians, so you won't mind if I cover some of the great doctrines of the Bible right now, right? Of course not. I know your head's spinning, but that's how I do. (laughs) It's like the Gordian knot. I'm Alexander the Great. If you don't know that reference, look it up. (laughs) Okay, see? I gave you a little something to do when you go home. Here's the deal. We're going to cover regeneration, justification, and adoption, but we're going to do it quickly so it's not going to beat you over the head, not going to bore you. Regeneration, justification, and adoption. Three great doctrines of the Bible that you need to know because it speaks to your life and your new year. First off, regeneration. Regeneration, any Doctor Who fans? <laughs> yes. If you're a Doctor Who fan, you know what regeneration means. It's made new. Made new. The Bible says... I do like me some Bible. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is united with the anointed one, that person is a new creation. The old life is gone, and see, a new life has begun. Ladies and gentlemen, the world will tell you that you're the sum of your choices. They will tell you that every bad choice that you've made in your life has, has created an output, which is you. You can't escape it. There's nothing you can do to get away from it. You are the sum of your choices. Whereas God says that through my son Christ, through the sacrifice that I made on the cross for you, you are no longer your old self, but you are brand new. Your choices no, no longer do they affect you in an eternal way, though there are still consequences. I don't want to be one of those type of preachers that will get up and tell you, hey, if you say yes to Christ, everything turns into flowers and roses and, and cherries, which are delicious, without the seeds. Okay. It's not going to happen. There's still going to be consequences. However, your eternal consequence has completely changed. You're no longer the sum of your choices. You're no longer doomed nor trapped to keep making bad choices. You're regenerated. You're made brand new. Couldn't you use that? Isn't that what we try to do in this life anyway? Don't we pursue newness? We love new things. And We love new things because we desire to be new ourselves. And we hope that driving a new car or wearing new clothes or anything will make us appear new. When in fact, the newness must come from the inside. And this is the offer of the gospel of Christ. Newness of life, brand new. Put that in your mind. Toxic choices undone by the regenerative regenerative power of the Holy Spirit, making you new. What about toxic environments? Well, the Bible says in Galatians 2, 16 and 17, but we know that no one is made right with God by meeting the demands of the law. It is only through the faithfulness of Jesus, the anointed, that salvation is even possible. This is why we put faith in Jesus, the anointed. So we will be put right with God. It's his faithfulness, not works, prescribed by the law that puts us in right standing with God because no one will be acquitted and declared right, even for doing what the law demands. Even though we are seeking a right relationship with God through the anointed, the fact is we've been found out we're sinners, we sinners. Can't fool God. No matter how hard you try. Ladies and gentlemen, you may be in a point today where your heart is broken just now. You have just recognized that you and I are filthy sinners. We're absolutely incapable of pleasing God. And that might break your heart so much that you're willing to walk out of these doors and say, God, take my life.
1: I'm willing to trade my life that I might be right with you. Sad reality? It's not enough. It's not enough. You might walk out and say, Mother
0: Teresa has got nothing on me. I will serve every living creature on this earth to the nth degree, to the very, my being falls apart. I'll give everything. It's not enough. It'll never be enough because you're indelibly separated from God. You will never bridge the gulf on your own. You cannot, you cannot. That is why God bridged the gap for you. He sent his son Christ to die and bleed on the cross because only perfection could satisfy perfection. And so Paul uses a courtroom scenario here. I know we have a lawyer in the audience and there might be a judge or two. Please take no offense. Nobody likes court. It's bad. You know what I mean? When you walk in, your stomach is in knots, even if you're right or think you're right. Because typically you're across the aisle from somebody that you were in relationship with at some point that you knew, maybe intimately, and you sit across the aisle from them, and you're at odds with each other, and there is this fracturing and broken relationships, and you've got two well-paid people representing you to try to win and defeat and break the other person, and it's all on the shoulders of either a group of people or one person sitting up above everybody else to decide your fate. How gut-wrenching is that feeling? You're out of control, there's nothing you can do because whatever they say is the way it's gonna be. Yes, you can appeal it, but eventually somebody else is gonna
1: decide your fate. It's horrific. Paul is saying here, ladies and gentlemen,
0: If we had a court case on your life today and we sat you down and we were to parade the witnesses of your friends and family and people that you've acquainted with in your life and we brought them one after another and put them on the stand, how would the case go? How would your case go? I could tell you how mine would
1: go guilty, guilty, guilty. How about you? Paul says there's nothing you can
0: do to escape a guilty verdict. You can't. No matter how good you think you are, you're guilty.
1: However, because the anointed one Jesus died and traded his life for yours,
0: when you walk up to that courtroom, you see a big sign, Paget
1: versus God, not guilty. Not guilty justified, made right. You see, I don't have to stay in the environment
0: that I'm in because God saves me, he makes me new. Then he pulls
1: me out of that environment and said, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to go back there. You're right now, it's okay. You're no longer a slave to that. So folks, don't go visit Don't peek in and say, but
0: I want to sit there and get judgment. I'm sitting in the courtroom and some of us are still sitting there waiting on the ax to fall. You're by yourself. There's no judge. There's no jury. There's no executioner. There's no attorneys. You're all alone. Look at the, the door. Not guilty. So maybe it's toxic relationships that's got you. Well, And sometimes all too often it's family. Here's the thing. The Bible says in John 1, 12, and 13, but for all who did receive and trust him, Christ, he gave them the right to be reborn as children of God. He bestowed his birthright not by human power or initiative, but by God's will. Quickly, this is called adoption. I know that we have some adoptive parents in here and I know that we have some children that are adopted in here. There is very few things on earth that reflect God's love more than adoption. Because it is the indiscriminate outpouring of love from one person to another with nothing being earned on either side. It's beautiful. But adoption today still falls woefully short from adoption then. You see, back then, adoption was extremely permanent. It, The way it really worked was, and the way people viewed you, if you were adopted from one family to the next, you were dead to the other family, completely dead. No longer to share their name, no longer to share any information, no longer to share anything. You were literally reborn in blood into the new family, completely. You were the new family with all rights and privileges that went with it. Never to return never to even seek out the other family. Because why would you? You're in this family completely. Permanent. The Bible says that we are adopted into the family of God. He makes us co-heirs with Christ. He makes us sons and daughters of the King. We have all
1: rights and privileges that Jesus has. All the same rights and privileges of the king.
0: Why would you want to squander that privilege by being in toxic relationships when you are free of that? You're a child of the
1: king. You're free, free. He made you family. God made us new, he made us right, he made us family. So I ask you, the greatest gift, that's not a question, but it will be, the greatest
0: gift to ever hit mankind was that the God of the universe gave himself so that we could be sons and daughters of the king. To free us from the slavery of sin, to rescue us, he gave everything for that. The second greatest gift that God ever gave us us is the freedom to choose.
1: You get to choose. And choose you must. Choose you today who you will serve. But see, the
0: difference is this, folks. If you give your life to Christ, he's not gonna take it and throw it away. He's not going to steal your freedom and your individuality like some people would tell you. That's the furthest from the truth. What he's going to do is take your life and exchange it for his and complete you, and make you free. Get out of the courtroom. Get out of the toxicity. Resist it. Because you're free in the name and the blood of Jesus Christ, and it's up to you now. What will you choose? Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for each person here. Thank you for a truth that still boggles my mind, God. Lord, I know myself. I know the choices that I've made. Oh God, I know the environments that I've been in. I know the toxic relationships I've been involved in, God. And Lord, I walked headlong into each one of them. And in spite of all of that, you love me with a fierceness that I'll never understand to the point that you gave your blood to reach out to me. And then you loved me enough to let me choose. To let me choose. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would reign in this place today because there are folks that need to choose. They never knew. God, they never knew they had a choice. They never knew that they could be free. They were still in the courtroom, God, facing all the witnesses, waiting for the ax to fall, God. Never realizing your offer of freedom and peace. Make it clear, God. Make my jumbled words and thoughts clear to them. I thank you for what you've done in my life. In Jesus' name. Stand and worship with us, please.
2: Behold the star. Of the word of God has been.